Good morning, everyone. It's good to come and to look at the Word of God together, and hopefully today's Word will be an encouragement to you. Um, I, I picked just a, quite an easy subject this morning to speak on, uh, and John's, if John can bring up the next slide. I've got a few slides for those visual learners as well. Keep us on track. Again, my easy subject is the eternal plan of God. Um, you know, it's quite a simple subject to speak on. Um, no, it's not at all. Um, I've been look, just really thinking about God's plan and looking into this. Um, and so before I speak in it, I do want you to know um, I don't know it all. Um, just as, as my disclaimer, um, even in the scripture it says that the plan of God is a mystery. And so there are things that get revealed, but there are also things that we might just never know until he reveals them, or maybe he'll never reveal them to us. Who knows? Um, and even to Christ, there were things that were hidden in, in his humanity. But, but we want to come this morning and just, and I believe this is an important subject for us to look at, to consider, and just to um, kind of dive into this kind of eternal plan of God and see why it's so important to us to consider this. See if these things are working. Got my little doodle. Okay, so, is it working? We'll see. Uh, so God has an eternal plan. So that's a good thing to to think about to begin with, um, because often when we think about our lives, we think about the moment we're in. You know, we're going through something at the moment in terms of us as a nation. I don't know about you. Um, you know, we've just started kind of four weeks of of lockdown, and it's been like four days. And it feels like it's been four weeks already to me anyway. Um, you know, it's like we're in a moment of time, but yet we're also part of a big picture. And not just in terms of we think 2020. No, we think that even the fact it's 2020 means there's been 2019 years before that, and, and that was AD, and then BC, there was thousands of years before that, you know, we can often just see the moment. And, and this reminded me of, uh, so we're part of a bigger picture, but it reminded me of Google Earth. I don't know if you know Google Earth. It's going to probably take a minute to load up. Uh, it should play, don't worry. It'll come. Um, so Google Earth, I love Google Earth. If you didn't know, I'm a Google trainer, so I do love Google stuff. Um, but Google Earth, it, it, um, it allows you to see anywhere on the globe. You know, you can just go around, you can explore, you can see things. Hopefully this is going to come up in a minute. It's kind of delaying. What? Is that what it says? Ah, okay. So imagine, if you don't, you can go to google.earth.com or earth.google.com rather, sorry. So you can go to Google Earth and what you can do is you can zoom right in. If you look at Google Street View, you can see this. Um, You can see what your house looks like from the front. Um, You can even look back and see what it's looked back over years gone by. Um, that's a good, good bit of fun. Um, you can go around the streets and you can even see people, although normally they're blurred out. Um, but with Google Earth, what you can then do is zoom out. And you can zoom out a little bit so you can see the top of your house. Um, you can zoom out a little bit and you can see your, your streets around you. You can zoom out again and you can see um, the town. You can zoom out again, you see London. You can zoom out further and you see the UK. You zoom out further, you see Europe and further until you see the Earth. And it's a bit like that, that we can be very much focused on this moment. We can be very much focused on this um, 
just small part that we are in our life. But there is a bigger picture and we can zoom out. And so what is the purpose of Christ? Can you click me on, John? Didn't like my video. There we go. No, there we go. Here is the purpose of Christ. To unite all things to him. So if you're your Bibles, if you want to read, I've got a few scriptures today. We'll see how we do with time. Because as I said, this is a big subject. Um, I will not be able to cover it all in any depth uh, today, but hopefully give you an idea of this. And so we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 7 to 10. So it says, in him, I'm talking about in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's good news. It says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. So God has a will and he is making it known to us by the pouring out of his wisdom and insight. He says, according to his purpose, so he has a purpose, and which he set forth in Christ. So the purpose is through Christ. And then in verse 10 it says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So this, if you want to put it in one snapshot, this is the great mystery, this is the great will and purpose of God. To unite all things throughout time, both in earth and in heaven, unto Christ. And that is his point. So what that means though, is that there, there is a point where not all things are united under him. And, and I believe we're in, we live in that time right now. Um, we live in a time where some believe, some do not believe. There is a choice that you have before God to believe or not believe. And if we go back uh, throughout history, you see that all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve made that choice. But even before that, and I mentioned this when I last spoke about the fall of Satan, the fall of Lucifer, when he fell as an archangel and he rejected God, and he was just kicked out of heaven. And so we see that going back and back and back. Um, and so the work of God, and I don't know, when we think about these things, the difficulty is we think in terms of time. Now when you think about time, there's a beginning and there'll be an end of time. You know, the beginning of the day, the end of the day. That's how we think. And so when we think about when Satan fell, it's very hard to know when exactly this was in terms of time because it was before mankind. And so it might have been before the creation of the earth. It might not have been. We're not quite sure. Uh, but Satan fell. Um, but regardless of this, outside of this line of time, there is God and God is eternal. And so some the difficulty in some of these things is we're trying to understand where these things fit in a timeline. But... When things are outside of time, it can be quite tricky to do that. Um, but so, at some point, all things were under Christ, but then they weren't. But then what we're learning is that there will be another point where all things will be back under him again. All things, both in heaven and on earth. And so the question is, why is this important? 
I believe it's important for many reasons, but just a couple. I believe it gives us hope. Because whatever you feel like today, maybe today in this in this lockdown, maybe you need some hope, you know? Um, but maybe you're going through trials, maybe you're going through difficulty in life. And, and you might say things like, is this all there is? Is it always going to be like this? But God is saying, no, there will be a day when things will be different. The reality is, it may not be in this lifetime. But there will be a day when things are different. Uh, particularly, I know in our country, we don't wrestle really with much persecution in the way that some in other countries do, where their life is at stake just for believing in God. And so they suffer every day for the belief in Christ. And again, their question is, is it always going to be like this? And the answer in God's plan is, no, it's not always going to be like this. The other thing it tells me in terms of our hope is that nothing is wasted. In terms of the things you go through, in terms of the things that go in your life, God wastes nothing. So every struggle you have, God wastes nothing. It says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. And that doesn't mean that everything is good, but that means even the things that are evil, even the things that go wrong, God can redeem those things and use them for his good. And so that gives us hope. But it also gives us purpose. And a real challenge for us, I believe, today, is we can come into this place of salvation, where we say, great, I'm a believer, I know God. But the risk is we can then waste our life. That he has brought us back, it says he's redeemed us by his blood. He's brought us out of the slave market of sin. We were lost, but now we've been found. That's brilliant, that's good news. But there's a purpose for that. It says there will be a day when we will stand before God and our works will be judged. And it says you will bring your gold and your silver, your precious stones, your wood, hay and straw. And these things are going to get the blitz of fire put upon them. So all the things that you've done, all the stuff you've done in your life, um, all the things you've built, all the things you've achieved, they're going to be put before God and there's going to be a fire applied to it. The things that will last, the things that will be eternal, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, they will last. And the wood, the hay, the straw will burn up. And so what I really encourage you to do is have a purpose in your life that is not wasted, that you are doing the work of God. And when we do the work of God, that is what is the gold, the silver and the precious stones. And those things will be eternal And that is the purpose that God has called each one of us to. Which leads me onto this slide. You've got some good old Lego people there, and you're in there somewhere. I was thinking of doing a Where's Wally, but I didn't want to call anyone a Wally. Um, and, And so God's plan includes you. So when we think about the eternal plan of God from before the beginning of creation till whenever it might be, it includes you. There's a plan. But the thing is, it's not all about you. And this is the trouble. We make ourselves sometimes the centre of this plan. And God is a character in it. It's our story and God is a character in it. Um, and we, we can talk a lot, a lot about what's God's plan for your life. And the reality is God has a plan for your life. 
But it's part of his plan. You, it's not that he is part of your plan. You are part of his plan. And a good analogy I heard of this was a bit like a mechanic in the army. So imagine you've trained up to be a soldier and you know you've joined, you want to join the army, fight for your country, like we're remembering today. People did that. And you join the army and they say, okay, you're going to be a mechanic. And you think, wait a minute, I wanted to be on the front line. I wanted to, you know, if you've listened to, was a territorial army advert and they're like, you know, you can fly in choppers and you can shoot guns. And you can do all these, it sounds like cool stuff, but it's not, I bet it's hard work. Um, but again, and you're like, well, I'm a mechanic. How does that make a difference? But you know that if the mechanic doesn't do their job, when the army goes into battle and they're, they're riding their tank or whatever it might be and the wheels fall off or the gun jams, whatever doesn't work, the work of the mechanic is essential in the victory in the battle. And so we all have a part to play, and there are many parts. We learn about the body of Christ, where it says there is a body and many members of it. And we don't know, always in a sense, what member we have. And some might be very prominent members, and some might be very small, and you might feel quite insignificant. But the reality is that every part, every person, has a part to play in the eternal purpose of God. It might made me think about kind of uh, I use the phrase box set, although I don't think anyone actually buys a box set anymore. They were called box sets because you bought a box and it had all the personal videos or DVDs in them. But now you just watch these things on on TV. But the whole idea was a box set. You sometimes get these series and there's like 13 seasons of it and something like that. And, and when you watch, um, I believe what you see in a good one is there's a storyline that goes throughout the whole kind of story. There's a storyline that goes throughout it. But then in each episode, you have kind of a a side story, a little subplot um, that kind of go on in the background. But yet there's this one string that goes throughout. And it's like that in God's plan. There's a string that is going throughout, which is to bring all things together under Christ's authority, under him, and unite them in him. But yet there are different kind of side stories, but they all contribute to that. Um, And so the reality is that God works in many people. And I find this, as I've been thinking about this concept more, I found it fascinating reading the scriptures and seeing the the way that these individual stories support the big picture. And so you look at Abraham. So imagine you're Abraham, if you know the story of Abraham. He was just some guy in Ur of the Chaldees, kind of part of a family, didn't really know much about God, it seems. But God called him out. Now, if you know the word Abram, which was his name originally, Abram means father, which was always ironic because he had no children. Um, and so people, if you said, oh, what's your name? And he said, oh, my name's Abraham, father. Go, oh, how many kids you got? None. And then God called him out and said, you're going to be a father of many nations. And he, he moved from Ur of the Chaldees and eventually ended up in, in, the, in Canaan where he was going to settle via a few other things that happened. But again, he was this man who had all this great promise of God on him. But in a sense, what he did was he moved house. He moved house, had a couple of kids. Now, if you said to him, Abraham, do you see the fulfilment of God's promise in your life? He would say, 
no, maybe he got to the end and thought, maybe I failed. You know, maybe I've not done it because, you know, I'm supposed to establish nations and yet I've just got a couple of kids. And so, Abraham had, but we can see when we, when we stand back, we see the big picture, we say, yeah, we see what Abraham did. You think about Joseph. Joseph was someone who was rejected by his brothers, kind of the, the runt of the family, in their mind anyway, not his dad's, but he got kicked out and sent to Egypt. Why did this happen? What was that all about? But the purpose, when you look at it, he went to Egypt, became kind of the prime minister of Egypt, that he might preserve kind of the nations who were going to famine. But what also that meant was that his family came into um, Egypt, and there they grew. They grew from a family to a nation, from a handful to millions, because of that. And so you say, well, why did all that happen? And, and even Joseph said to his brothers, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You look at someone like Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in, in Jericho. Now, who would ever thought that God could use a woman like that? But when the spies came, um, they, he, she hid them and protected them and basically led down to the fall of Jericho, which symbolises the moment that they were entered into the land to take the land. And not only that, but you see Rahab in the lineage of Christ. This woman, not even a Jew, and a prostitute. But yet God redeemed her and called her out and she had a part to play in the eternal purpose of God. And you can go on and on looking through these characters in the scriptures. Like One of my favourites, though, is Esther. And if you turn to the book of Esther... I was looking for Esther earlier in the Bible and, it, and I was, I'm really annoyed because it's not really where it should be. Um, someone should kind of reorder these books a bit. Um, because again, it's very interesting get reading through all these stories because sometimes we miss where these stories fit in terms of history, let alone God's eternal purpose. We realise, well, where was she in history? What else was going on in history um, and so we're looking at Esther chapter 4. And so if you don't know the story of Esther, Esther was a young Jewish girl and they were in captivity um, after God had rejected them out of the land. And so they were in captivity. Uh, and yet, and then the king, which is Xerxes, um, wants to find a new wife. And so he basically holds a bit of a, a beauty pageant. And Esther is the most beautiful and she wins this and so she becomes queen. Now someone else in the story then wants to kill all the Jews. And so here's Esther in this place where she's like, well I'm a Jew, but yet I'm the queen. And yet someone else is trying to kill all the Jews. And one of the most famous verses in Esther, it says you have been placed for such a time as this. How did all that happen? How did she come to this place where she had the ear of the most, probably the most powerful man in the world at that time, yet she was just some kind of country girl who was good looking? But God made her good looking for a purpose. There you go, work that one out. Um, Amen. And so, but then, and so she has this opportunity, but it says in Esther chapter 4, verse 13, this is Mordecai speaking, Mordecai's her uncle who's kind of raised her. It says, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more 
than all the other Jews. So it's like, don't just think about yourself. Don't just think, no one knows I'm a Jew, I can hide in the palace, I'm going to be fine. Don't think that. He says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And so we think about the plan of God. Part of the plan of God was the preservation of the Israel, the, the Jewish people. That's part of his plan. And so they were going to be eliminated. That was the plan, to eliminate them. But he said, no, I'm going to place this girl. God said, I'm going to place this girl with the ear of the king who can redeem the people. And Mordecai said, this is your opportunity. But even if you don't do it, God will do it another way. The plan of God will not be thwarted because one girl chose not to do it. And I believe an important part of this is that God wants to use you. But he's not dependent on you. But he's saying, will you come and be part of my eternal purpose? Because it, it, Esther might have said no, and maybe we would have had a different book by the person who said yes. Because there was another story, maybe God had a backup in case, maybe, I bet he knew anyway. But the thing is, Esther was going to be used by God to save the nations. And this is the thing, that you have an eternal purpose and you are of great value to God. So you're not just a pawn in God's game. I want you to know that. God's not just like, all right, well, I'll discard that one and use another one. We're not just pawns in God's game. We are of eternal value and purpose to him. And he loves each person. And that's the thing, we can think of this big picture and we think, well, what, who am I? But yet God says he knows a number of hairs on your head. He knows you intimately. He knew you before you were born. He had plans for you before the foundation of the earth. God's purpose is for you and he wants you to be part of this plan. Okay. So, but we can see this plan by looking back. And so there's different ways I want to think about it because when we look back, what I believe you can see is God building something. So I put kind of like stairs there, little steps going up and up and up. And as we look back in history, I believe what you can see is God building upon something. I've done this, now I'm building upon that. Now I'm building upon that. Now I'm building upon that. But just as God is building upon that, we also see the work of the enemy, just like I described there in Esther, seeking to destroy that work. Because again, he has a place in the eternal plan of God. Satan has a place and has a, has a future that is coming to him as well that is in God's eternal plan. And he doesn't want that because it's not a good ending for him. Just spoiler alert there. Um, and so we look at different stages. So one of the first things you see is God's plan for redemption. So outside of time, God had a plan for redemption. So God's plan for redemption, to buy back, to make things right, did not happen when Adam and Eve sinned. God wasn't walking in that garden on that day and said, Adam, where are you? And Adam was hiding and he went, oh man, guys, we need to come up with a plan. He had a plan before the creation of the world. He had a plan. It says that the Lamb of God was slain before the the creation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. So even the Lamb of God was slain. 
And so none of God's plan was an afterthought. And, you know, sin was not a surprise. And I was thinking about, well, what, how is this? How can he be slain before the foundation of the world? And the only way, and this is not a good illustration, but I was thinking about the heart of a father is to lay down his life for his children. But, you know, you don't get that heart, or at least you shouldn't. And I was thinking about my brother. My brother's going to have uh, his first son in a couple of weeks. You know, you've got Timo. Timo's going to have his son. Is there a son? Yeah, son in a, in a couple of months, isn't it? And so, but there's a point, and maybe for a lot of blokes, they don't think about this until the last minute, but the kind of thing is, this is going to change everything. Because the father has in his mind, I am going to lay down my life for this child, even before they're born. You're not going to wait, and if you're thinking about, if you actually, and this is the thing, if you think about having kids, you don't go into it glibly, but you go into it knowing that this is going to cost you. And it does cost you, just to let you know. It's going to cost you. You have to count the cost, and you have to know that you will give your life for that. And so I believe in the heart of God, just because of who he is. So the difference is, um, we have this realisation because we are inherently selfish, and we've grown up being selfish generally, but God was never selfish, and so God always had this heart that would say, for whatever there is, I will humble myself and I will give myself for him. So although he was always in authority, he was always given as well. Again, that's my little kind of theory about how to understand that. So God's plan of redemption, the plan to bring people into eternal life, was always there, even before the foundation of the world. Because it says, if you read, jump into Ephesians, again, I just want to kind of nail this one home. Let's go from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Again, I want to read this because it's just so good. Because it, it lets us know that God has a plan for us. So let this sink in. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I don't know how it works, but I believe it by faith. I receive it by faith. If you can, tell yourself, he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. So none of us are a mistake. He says, and the purpose that we should be holy and blameless before him, so he's got a purpose for us, and it says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So just in case you do think you're a mistake, he said, I knew before the foundation of the world that I was going to adopt you as my son. I had a plan for you. You were always, the plan was always for you to be mine. That's God's plan for you, to always be his. Even if you want to put a time scale on it, five, six thousand years, whenever the earth was created, let's not get into that one today. But um, whenever that was, God had a plan and he chose you. Okay, so we look at God's plan for redemption. But they also, God then makes a covenant. So think about this kind of building. So he had a plan right from the beginning, before the beginning. And then we see a covenant. So a covenant is a promise, a legal binding relationship. Now the difference is, this was a one-sided covenant that God made with Abraham. 
Now, there are many covenants throughout the scripture. There's a covenant with Moses. There's a covenant with Noah. There's a covenant with David. There's, and there's a covenant for us now. But there's, there's many covenants. But this one with Abraham was quite different because, for one, it was an eternal covenant. So some covenants will stop at some point. But this was like, no, I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop it. And it was one-sided, which is great if you have this thing where it doesn't depend on you, it depended on God. There's a whole other sermon on that. But So he made this covenant with uh, Abraham. And the promises that he made to Abraham was for one was for a land. So he said, there will be a land that will be yours. There will be a nation. I'm going to create a nation out of you. And also there is going to be a blessing. And we see the fulfillment of that blessing in Christ. Um, but we also see in Abraham that God established the basis for salvation. Because if you think about it in terms of time, Abraham came before Moses. So Abraham was not under law in the same way that Moses and them after were. So Abraham's salvation came through faith. So in his plan, God was making it very clear, salvation comes through faith, not by works. And so God made this covenant, and that's the eternal covenant, um, to build this land, to build the nation, and to be a blessing that would come through Christ. Because he says, through you, every nation on earth will be blessed. Every nation. And that's because Christ is that blessing. The next thing we see, God chooses a nation. So we see that through Abraham. But then we get this nation that comes out, which is Israel. Okay? So as I said, they went into Egypt, a family, but they came out a nation. And there's a whole great understanding of how that happened anyway. But again, that's another day. Um, And it's very interesting when we think about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has had a disproportionate impact on history. Israel is some tiny little nation. You can walk across it, I believe, in a day. You can walk across Israel in a day. It's not big. But yet, Israel, if you think about what's going on in the Middle East at the moment, Israel is one of the central players in that. No nation has, people have tried to annihilate like Israel. Again, you look back through history, many nations, and even the church at times, has tried to eliminate Israel. They've been under persecution. And there's just this disproportionate amount of kind of news time that they take for such a small nation. Um, and you think about um, the land that they're in as well. It's like this, this fought over so much. And if, again, you look through all the crusades throughout history and all that kind of stuff. Everyone was vying for it. Even now you've got Jerusalem and there's three kind of faiths that are fighting for it as their kind of their place. It's like just this small little nation. But there was a call upon Israel. And again, I'm going to flick into Exodus chapter 19. And again, this is where Mount Sinai, where again, there's another covenant being established. And God is speaking into the establishment of this nation. And in verse 5 he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So even then, God had a plan for the nation of Israel to be this nation of priests. 
Now, within Israel, you had the Levites, who were the priests, and what they did, they intercede uh, and made the sacrifices for the rest of the nation. So you expand that picture, and you realise that the purpose of Israel was to be like priests to the world. That they were to be the ones, the purpose of the priest is to lead everyone else to God. To be those who intercede, who stand in the gap, and they were supposed to bring others to God. They were also called to show something different by the law. The law wasn't just to constrain them. It was to show that there's a better way, there's a godly way that God is calling us out from pagan things into his way. They were given the covenant through David of a king. And so we see that as well, the kingly line coming through Israel. The covenant with David that was fulfilled in Christ, who was the king who will reign forever. We see that they were given the, the word of God to, to kind of the oracles that God it says to look after and to kind of pass on that God will be known in the world. You re- realize your Old Testament, you know, it's all come through people passing that on and keeping faithful to that. And so, all through this, all through this old what we call the Old Testament period and the nation of Israel, I believe again, what you see is this next step you see God preparing something. And that is for the coming of the Messiah. So the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes in the context of this nation. I believe often it's kind of like teeing stuff up. You know, you tee it up just so it's ready. And so all these things are happening to tee up and to make ready for the coming of the Messiah. We see all these things in the Old Testament. You think about the pictures of the temple, which is a a picture of God's presence. You think about the sacrifices and the Passover. was a picture of Jesus' death. Uh, and his substitute sacrifice for us. There's all these pictures in the Old Testament that are teeing us up for their fulfilment and realisation in Christ. So it's building up, building up, building up and pointing to him. And so then we have God comes in the flesh. He comes as a son, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ. And he comes because a battle needed to be fought. Because up until this point, there was, although all these things were happening, there was still an issue with sin. And there was an issue that the, the nations weren't coming. And Satan still had this authority. He says he was the prince of the earth. He had authority on the earth. And so, in terms of this progression, something needed to change. And so Jesus Christ came, and he battled against sin and overcame it. He battled against death and overcame it, against hell, and he overcame it. There was a sin problem and he sorted it through his blood. See, all the sacrifices that happened, he said, no, I'm going to nail this one. I'm going to do a sacrifice that is once and for all, no more sacrifice needed. And all along this, it's saying this, I'm building this pathway back to God. Because remember, right at the beginning, all things were not under God. I'm building a pathway. And Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So the aim was that people would come back to the Father. The aim back in the Garden of Eden was that people would come back to the Father through Abraham, through Moses, through David, through the prophets. The aim was that people would come back to God and just say, I am that way. I've given you kind of the, the, the preview, the trailer, and now I am the way that we come back. And then... God comes in spirit. So Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and, and fills the believers. And so God is indwelling his people. God is equipping his people for this next stage. Because again, if God's got a plan, he's got to equip people for it. He's got to 
do what is necessary for it to come to fulfilment, and that requires the coming of the Holy Spirit. And through that, God builds his church. Now, we've talked a lot in this church about the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, you know, go into all the world, preach gospel. Because the reality is, we are the hands and feet of Christ. God said, you're going to do more than I've done. You're going to exceed what I've done. Because if you think, Jesus basically didn't leave Israel. I think he went to Samaria just a little bit, which is kind of just next door. But he, he kind of, this little area, he never left it. He had just 12 guys, and one of, one of those left. You know, it's kind of like, he had this small team, but he's like, no, I'm going to release something, and you're going to do far greater. And so we are the hands and feet of Christ to build the kingdom here on earth. We are called to display his glory, to be salt and to be light. And we are called to reveal the mysteries of God. I want to read this again, back in, jump back into Ephesians. Flip-flopping around in the scriptures today. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 3. Because again, now you, I want you to grasp this, because sometimes we can think our life is insignificant. Like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Why, why should I do these things or that thing? But let this take hold of you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. It says, to me, this is Paul speaking, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he's got a ministry, brilliant. It says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So his purpose is what I'm kind of just dipping my toe in today is to reveal the per- hidden mysteries and purpose of God. But he says, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You are called to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly places. What that means is that there are angelic beings and those are the good ones and the bad ones. And they are watching you right now. They are in this place right now. I believe they'll be in your home right now. And they are watching to say, what is going on here? What is the purpose of God? And I believe part of that is the fact that we have got a relationship with God where we are not forced to obey him, but in our everyday life we choose to follow him. And that reveals the mystery of God, that we walk with God, in the fact that Satan rejected him and said, I want to be boss. That now you are saying, I don't need to be boss, but I can glorify God and praise him. And that is revealing the mystery of God to to the angelic beings, those who are watching. And I believe that there are some watching right now going, yeah, keep going guys. Show it, show it, preach it, preach it, you know, do it. And there are some who are just trying to trip you up because they don't want you to succeed. We are called also to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Paul said that, he wanted to provoke the Jews to jealousy because God is not done with the nation of Israel. He's got a plan and a purpose still for them. I'll go into that. 
but he wants the church to be such that it will provoke them. Now, you might have recognised that scripture in Exodus that I read, but it's also in 1 Peter, because he says to the church in 1 Peter chapter 3, 2 rather, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, says, but you are a chosen race, now talking to the church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into a marvellous light. So you have a role to proclaim the excellencies of God. You are now the priests to the nations, to lead people to him. And so I believe God is now today moving in events. He's moving in elections. He's moving in business. He's moving in COVID. He's moving in everything in our age. And I believe he's creating a context for what is going to happen next. I don't know when that is, but he's creating a context. The heart of God is that as many people will respond to him as possible. It says he's not slow, God's not delaying, but he wants as many people to respond to him as possible. And the reality is his plan is not yet complete. None of us, hopefully, are sitting here deluded today, believing that everything is now under God's authority. In terms of, because you look around, there's evil. There's things that are happening. This isn't heaven. This isn't perfection. This isn't, you know, utopia, whatever you want to call it. There's still more to come. And he wants as many to respond to him as possible. Now, when we think about the future, this is obviously where it gets a bit foggy. You can look back at the past and learn a lot. Predicting the future is, you know, a difficult one. But there's a lot in scripture that talks about what is still to come. The prophetic word of what is coming. And obviously many people, if you know anything about this, many people have different theories, different beliefs about these different things. And so I'm trying not today to kind of come down too far on anything, but to just kind of stick to the key things that are going to, I believe, are going to happen. I think the first thing to realise is Israel will turn to the Messiah. That is God's plan. That Israel will turn to the Messiah. They have rejected him. They rejected Jesus as the Messiah. But they will turn to him. And that is something that we are looking towards, which is part of that idea about jealousy. It actually says, we read just in Matthew 23. I hope you're still doing well, keeping with me. We're nearly there. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, this is chapter 23 of Matthew, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again. So he's talking to Israel, to Jerusalem. You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So until Israel says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, we will not see him again. Okay. We don't know when that's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but that's what they're saying. We also read that in terms of when Jesus will return, which is the next thing, Jesus will return for his bride. Jesus is coming back. But it also says that the gospel will go to all the nations before that happens as well. 
And he's going to come back for those who are his. It says, when that happens, it says that we, those who are his, will reign with him. It also says that those who are his will judge the angels. So one day you are going to judge the angels. Okay? So get your, get your judge roll on. I've done again. I don't know how these things are going to work out or how they're going to happen, but this is what God said. He also said that there will be a time where he will judge the earth. So there is going to come a time of tribulation, says that in the scriptures as well, a time where God's wrath is poured out on the earth. He also says there's going to be a time of judgment where people will stand before him and some will go one way and some will go the other way. So there will be a time of wrath and there will be a time of judgment. And those who do not know him, those who have not bowed the knee to him, will be discarded into the lake of fire. That's a sobering thought, but it's going to happen. It also says Jesus will reign on the earth. Again, some people might kind of have different opinions on this, but I believe the scripture is quite clear, that because often when we think about you know, I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. But the reality is Jesus says, no, I'm going to come and I'm going to set my throne on the earth. And I believe that he will come and he will reign for a thousand years on the earth. And through that he will demonstrate, because at that point the enemy would be locked up, and he will be demonstrating his authority over Satan and over sin. So again, remember the steps as well. Each time, each time it's getting closer and closer to the fulfilment of this plan. Because then you have that last step, Jesus will reign in heaven. And that's it. Final nail, done. Final thing happens. But we've got all this to come. This is all coming and we have a part to play in that. You have a part to play in leading Israel to repentance in terms of their jealousy through your prayer you have a part to play in taking the gospel to all the nations. You have a part to play in revealing the mysteries of God to the angels. And so will you give yourself to God's plan? Remember Esther. Remember what I was saying about Esther and what God said to her. If you don't do it, I'm going to find someone else. But also remember... Mary, so I found a nice picture of Mary. I'm sure that's exactly what she looked like. But it said in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, because again, the angel comes to Mary and says, all this is going to happen. You're going to be used to, to give virgin birth to the Messiah of the world. And what she says in verse 38 of chapter 1 in Luke, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so God, I think, is calling us today. And the question is, what's your response? Because the reality is, there are many things you can do in this life. There are many things to keep you busy. But what I don't want you to do is build a life that is wood, hay and straw. I want you to build a life that is gold, silver and precious stones. Jesus himself said, I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And that will rub against the grain. 
Some people won't like it. Mary suffered because of this. They probably called her names. They called Jesus' names, I'm sure. You know, the one born out of wedlock. And they suffered, but it was for the purpose of God. Esther, when she went before the king, she could have been killed. The king could have said, what are you doing here? Off with her head. But she was willing to put her life on the line. And that's the call that God has given to us today. Amen. We invite the band to come up. We're just going to have a time of worship and response. To appreciate your patience as I brought that word. There was a lot to fit in. Um, and could go into much more depth as well. But let's just come and just place ourselves before God right now. And we're just going to say, God, here I am for you. I want to be available for you. For your plan, for your purpose. Not my will, but yours be done. We pray, Lord Jesus, your kingdom will come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may you outwork your eternal plan through us. May we be available to you. Lord, may we not think it's all about us, but also knowing that even the small thing we might do today can impact eternity. Lord, we come now and worship you.